0: الحمد لله الحمد لله حمد كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاه والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم قال الله تبارك وتعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اذكروا الله ذكرا كثيرا وقال تعالى واذكروا الله كثيرا لعلكم تفلحون وقال تعالى الذين يذكرون الله قياما وقعودا وعلى جنوبهم وقال الا بذكر الله تطمئن القلوب وقال تعالى وَمَن أَعْرَضَ عَن ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنكًا وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى قَالَ رَبِّ لِمَا حَشَرْتَنِي أَعْمَى وَقَدْ كُنتُ بَصِيرًا إِلَى آخِرِ آيَة وَقَالَ تَعَالَى اسْتَحْوَذَ عَلَيْهِمُ الشَّيْطَانُ فَأَنَسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ وَقَالَ تَعَالَى وَمَن يُعْرِضْ عَن ذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَنِ نُقَيِّدْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينٌ My dear respected brothers and sisters what we need in the world today are people with with bright minds, active intellects, people who have a a seeking mind that wants to go and people who want to go and do something, contribute to the world, make some changes positively effect change and mashallah we have a number of people like that even within the Muslim community Um, I don't want to praise you in your face and I don't know if this is praise but if being in Cambridge University means something then maybe it does, I don't know I'll leave that to you to decide and the listeners to decide that Right. so I guess I'm just going to use that as an example You've come here, obviously, and chosen this university for a particular reason. You didn't kind of end up here to be in a party school. I used to be in Santa Barbara, California before, which was on the beach. And that was a proper party school because the parties used to start on Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you went into that area and it would be quite crazy. But I'm sure Cambridge is not like that, where you disturb your neighbours with lots of drinking and... um, Lots of music and sound and so on. So essentially what's required is that we've got a lot of active minds within our community. The problem is that a lot of them when they get to a certain level we lose them. This fervor for Islam, this concern, wanting to do something for their deen, that's where we have much less. Out of this Uh, these number of people that are, mashallah, highly uh, accomplished, educated, qualified, have great ability. The problem is that very few actually tend to be really focused on their deen. Yes, we see a few bad images coming out of Syria, some horrifying footage that makes us think for a while, and then after that we lose it because we go out and mashallah, we live in the glamour of the world. Everything is orderly here. We don't have an issue. We don't see too many problems except our own individual setbacks that we feel. What is required is a person with a burning heart, a heart with love. Very interesting hadith that's related by the Prophet uh, from the Prophet related by both Bukhari and Muslim. The Prophet said The example of the one who remembers his Lord and the one who doesn't is, literally this is what he said is like the living person and the dead person The living person and the dead person Now, a very interesting twist to this I was in Zambia uh, a, sh- uh, a few months ago and there was a South African individual who was reading from a book, and he was reading this hadith. Now in South Africa, uh, especially those in the Johannesburg area, they say their eyes like a U. So for example, 50 becomes 50. Not 50, becomes 50. Right? 60 is 60. So it's kind of, they raise it slightly. So this uh, this person was a bit more pronounced in his accent, and he said... He read the hadith and then he said the example of the one who remembers his Lord and the one who doesn't is like the loving heart or the loving person and the dead person. Which isn't wrong in the sense because a living heart is a loving heart because it loves Allah. It's connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was unintended. He meant living but really that is how, you, how a heart is going to live is by loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's the only way for it if the heart doesn't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then it will love everything else there's only place for one in the heart and that's why the prophet sallallahu there's a dua related from which is very powerful we should make it part of our dua which is allahumma hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una right if you want to repeat it once with me at least you've read it once if you memorize it, it's good allahumma <laughs> rzuqna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una what that means is, O oh Allah, grant us, sustain us. Rizq is sustenance, which is so essential to us. Rizq is very essential, that's what we live by. So the Prophet ﷺ used here, O oh Allah, sustain us with your love. Now, sustain us with your love, it becomes much easier to gain love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through company, through loving company right because the human character the human uh, the, 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 the human self is such that we steal from others that's what ibn al-jawzi said uh, ghazali said the same thing imam ghazali and ibn al-jawzi they both said the same thing what they said is that human temperament imam ghazali says this in his uh, bidayatul hidayah beginning of guidance and imam uh, ibn al-jawzi says this in talbis iblis they both said that the human person is a th- uh, the, the human character is a thief what that means is that we steal surreptitiously from people around us. So when we're living among people, when we're living among people, we will steal their bad habits as well. We won't be able to notice that. That's why Imam Shafi he said travel, because travel has five benefits. One of them is that you learn akhlaq. How do you learn akhlaq when you travel? It's because sometimes when we're amidst people, we become so used to the wrong akhlaq and the, the bad character that may be prevalent there that we adopt it as well because we're humans, we take uh, we emulate from others much more than we will from their speech We take from their behavior much more, right? So we will assimilate this character and we won't even be sensitive to its evil until we go to another area And we see hey those people don't do that and suddenly we see things through their opposites. We see see, see things through their comparison Right, that's why Imam Ghazali he, he says that the tabi'ah of the human being it steals from the tabi'a of others that's why role models should be, uh, sh- should be well behaved as opposed to just giving good speech. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all good role models rather than people who just speak and don't act. And that's why Imam uh, Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, he mentions is that read the lives of the pious, the pious before us, because they're... That's what, if you can't travel, essentially uh, Imam Shafi would tell you to travel, but if you can't travel and you're, you're sitting at home, or you're sitting in your own area, then at least read the stories of the pious individuals of the past because you learn from there. So this is all about taking from others. Now going back to our original point, what we need is we need people with active minds, but with a burning heart as well to do something. There needs to be a balance in the two. Because a very active mind... Uh, will gain a lot of malumat, data, knowledge. Google is the biggest alim, right, in, in, in that sense, right? But at the end of the day, if there's not a heart to balance it, then arrogance will creep in. Because every new bit of knowledge that you study, when you come out of that class and you've understood something, how elated do you feel? The people around you don't know what you're talking about, but you feel like somewhere else. You just feel like, wow, I got that. Right? You feel like you've just like got a breakthrough or something. That leads to arrogance sometimes. If there's no loving heart or living heart, then that is to temper that and to, uh, to direct it, then that active mind is going to essentially uh, provide the wrong conclusions in this world. Because we, uh, uh, the, the human being And subhanallah, although Muslims have been Talking about psycho Or neurocardiology Since the inception, because that's what the Prophet ﷺ said The whole basis of it is the hadith of Rasulullah ﷺ a famous hadith uh, Which is Inna fil jasadi muda, idha saluhat salu al Jasadu كُلُّهُ We've got a Piece of flesh in the body Which if it's sound, the whole body will be sound Because the uh, uh, And then he said, if it's fasid If it's uh, if it's unsound, if it's sick, if it's defective, uh, it's going to cause a problem with the whole body. We know that from a cardiology point of view that that's absolutely the case. You've got a weak heart, you're going to have problems in your movements, and so on and so forth. right? You eventually you know, will need to do something to correct it. Likewise, what's only discovered about 20-30 years ago by... A, a new science called psych, psychocardiology or neurocardiology is that the heart also has s- similar cells to the brain, where the heart also does something and it's not just an organ to pump. And that's a relatively new area of study, relatively new. Although uh, our scholars have been speaking about it for years because it's based, it's based on the hadith of Allah uh, bidikrillahi, uh, on Allah uh, in the filjasadi mudga, the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu so the heart and the mind, in fact, the Qur'an speaks more about the heart than the mind. The aql is, is intellect is mentioned very few times. Whereas the heart and the heart is used uh, in different ways. Qalbun salim and uh, uh, fihi marad, speaking about illness in the heart. It's not talking about a, you know, a heart problem, meaning a heart problem, right? If you know what I mean by a heart problem that we speak about today, right? Where you've got some vessels closed or valves closed or uh, clogged up. It's talking about another one. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِلَّا مَنْ اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سليم. The one successful in the hereafter is only going to be the one who comes with a salim heart. Salim, a sound heart. That's not polluted by the, by the dunya and what's in there. That's been able to overcome that. That's the importance of it. Now let's talk about something, uh, let's talk about it on, in, a, in a related way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O oh, people who believe, speaking about anybody who believes, right, believes in Allah, remember Allah abundantly. Remember Allah abundantly. Now, then he says, Remember, uh, this is another verse. The first one is from Ahzab. The second verse is from Surah Al-Jumu'ah. Uh, remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly so that you may be successful. Be successful in this world and in the hereafter. Ask anybody who's got great success in this world but they don't have Allah. You feel, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking personally, you've got all the achievements in the world. You've got all the positions you want. MashaAllah Allah has given you whatever you want. You've got your money, you've got your house, you've got your, your degrees, you've got your children, you've got this. But there's a sense of emptiness. You don't, you don't feel like, how would I stand in front of Allah? Now, I'm talking to believers here, and that's why we're speaking about it from that perspective. Imagine if we we're to stand in front of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, how accomplished would we feel? Would we feel comfortable? Would that be the best of our days that we've ever... Because the day that we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for a true believer, that is supposed to be the best of their days that they've ever experienced in their life. Life of this world... Or the life of the hereafter. That's why there's a dua of Rasulullah sallallahu Which actually says. Oh Allah. Make the best of my days. yoma al-qaq. The day that I meet you. That won't diminish any of the other days. You could still have a great life. But the best of those days will be the day that I meet you. It's all relative. So by asking that. We're not going to diminish our, the days of our life. Or in our life. Of this world. But it's just that. I want this to be nice, but I want the best day to be the one I, in which I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah, give us, may Allah give us all that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, you must remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. Then, to such a degree, if you look in the Qur'an and you just look for the word dhikr, you'll see it over and over and over again. For example, in another verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَذْكُرُوا qiyaman, قِيَامًا وَكُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِكُمْ Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, standing, sitting and on your sides, right? Standing, sitting and on your sides. Very interesting. One is, it just, that should just dispel from our mind that dhikr is some kind of formal thing you have to do, right? Where you have to find time and you just sit and have to do it in a particular way. At the end of the day, salat, as Allah says in the Qur'an, is li dhikri Establish salat for my remembrance. The whole purpose of the salat, the formal ritual movements that we do, is for the remembrance of Allah. Now, many of us, what's happening is that we do an autopilot salat, where Allahu Akbar, we've made the intention for it to be a salat, Allahu Akbar. And then we're gone. And the next time we remember we're still here, is assalamu alaykum oh i've just finished we're so professional in our prayers right we're so professional we're not learners that we start and we can do everything on autopilot and then assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah alhamdulillah i reached right i mean it's a sad case of affairs but that is is our salat the prophet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says establish prayer for my remembrance where was the remembrance in this we're just fulfilling an obligation so another thing Sometimes we sit, we want to do some tasbih. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, we think we're doing some dhikr. What are we getting out of it? Subhanallah. So sometimes, you know, we're going to sit after the prayer and go, Subhanallah, 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 subhanallah alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Like, let's get out of here quickly. I mean, there's a, there's a Persian poem which is very interesting. Anybody speak Persian here? Farsi? No? Subhanallah. Okay. Anyway. The Persian poet says, for his time... Now, look how times have changed. He says, Dar What that means is on my zuban, on my tongue is the tasbi of Allah. I'm saying subhanallah Alhamdulillah Allahu Akbar. But in my heart is the are the cows and the goats. Look how simple that is. For us, it's our Facebook page. There's an update. Let's check it up. There must be five updates by now. Fifty likes right let's check our this account that account our email let's see if we've missed any calls this that and the other that's when we're like quickly, quickly you know this, these are the better ones among us that actually sit and do the tasbih right if we can call them better you know you know what i mean right and so he's talking about he says on my on my tongue is the tasbih so i'm saying it i'm uttering it but in my heart is the cows and cows and goats and things like that we you know for us it's our cars and other things and then he says, How can these tasbih have any effect? Have any benefit? Have any effect? They're going to have a benefit because people like Imam Ghazali, they've said that the word Allah, taking that name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ismul jalala, this name of majesty, it is so powerful that you can take it with all negligence and it will still benefit you. That's the intrinsic benefit in the name. Right? No, no merit on our part, except that we've. Allah, and to tell the truth, if you look at what Ibn Ata'illah says, he says that if you've been given the tawfiq to take the name of Allah, it means Allah has given you that tawfiq. You didn't do it by accident. You didn't do it by accident. If, if we have been given the tawfiq to sit down and do some dhikr of Allah, or to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any state, it's from Allah. Take that as a good sign. Thank Allah for it. If you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah says in the Quran, in شَكَرْتُمْ If you th- are thankful and grateful, we'll give you more. We will increase you. But you can only thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He gives. He gives opportunities. And these opportunities will come until we take them. For example, if Young kids, if you've got an auntie that comes and always brings you a gift. And what you do is, as soon as she comes in, you're waiting for that gift because you know she always brings gifts. You grab it and you run to your room and you start playing. You don't even say hi to her. You don't say assalamu alaikum. You don't give her a hug. You don't do anything. You just run off. She might bring it to you next time, <clears throat> testing you out again. But if you do that the second time, she's going to think, man, I don't want to take it. These got ungrateful kids. Right? Because every time I take them something, they just grab it, run. They don't even give me a hug they don't say thanks they never come and talk to me afterwards i don't see them again what you, is that right you think they would act like that or your auntie is better than that well allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is better than that right well you're probably not that bad are you you probably say good to your auntie isn't it yeah that's right so see the kids here yeah, i mean they, they need to feel relevant because we're speaking on some other levels we need to make it relevant for them because they're here, they've come, mashaAllah, they're sacrificing their time. I need to, we need to pay attention to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring you closer to Him. Say, Ameen. What does Ameen mean? It means, O oh Allah, accept. Alright, so when you say Ameen after any dua, it's like you're part of that dua. Right, that's a secret. Okay? That everybody's heard about now. Because of you. Okay. So... Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Allah is telling us do lots of dhikr because that's what we created you for. ال... This is all from the Quran. I mean, it, it, the Quran lays this out for us. We only created the human and the jinn to, re, to, to worship us. How do you do that 24 hours a day? How do you fulfill that? How do you do dhikr abundantly? Because that's what Allah says dhikran kathira. Remember Allah, abundantly. how do you do that? He says do it standing, sitting on your sides Which means it's not a formal thing that you have to sit to do Because you're not going to do something lying, lying down like that It's essentially saying whatever state you're in Another thing that's said is in the Quran Generally speaks about lying on your side Because that's the sunnah way of lying It never speaks about lying on your back That's very interesting Or on your stomach for that matter Right, Shaitan sleeps on his stomach. That it says a Shaitani way of lying. Right, so you should avoid doing that. But it's on your side that's Sunnah. On the right side, it's Sunnah. So it's, it's saying that make it so informal that you're always doing it. I will give you an example. You've got a um, any women with children here. No, okay. All right. So or any guys with children that have to babysit sometimes. Yeah. So you're cooking. Or you're doing something and your child is playing outside. Allah has given us this ability that although we're focused on our cooking or whatever it is that we're doing, but our one part of our mind is on our child. We're listening. Is he, can I still hear him or her? Is she crying? Is she still there? You know, especially if they're playing in the yard or something like that, if they've gone out. You're constantly aware, even though you're so focused. And the whole, that is what you call conscious attention on something else because you've got concern for them. Imagine if you can have concern for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like that. That's probably what's meant in this verse. That kind of an attention. Not that we must just sit somewhere like a hermit and just do dhikr, because that's impossible. Because we're social creatures, that's how Allah has made us. Allah has made us social creatures where we interact with people. So we need to have that interaction. But the secret is of all of this, is that if you have to look at any book of du'as, and there are many Ibn al Qayyim al jawziya you've got Ibn Sunnis, you've got Imam Naouis, n- numerous books of du'as, massive. You know, like with a du'a for nearly every occasion in the day, a prayer, a supplication, an invocation for nearly everything of the day, from entering the toilet and the bathroom to eating and sleeping to, to, to you know, to, to many mundane things is a du'a for. There's a special du'a for drinking milk, whereas there's a du'a for. For, for eating normal food. But then there's a special du'a for drinking milk. How focused must the Prophet have been? Aisha radiallahu anha relates. This is a hadith in uh, Sahih al-Bukhari. She says that... Uh, he used to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every state of his. At all times essentially. Does that mean he was just sitting... That's all he was doing. No, we know that he wasn't doing that. We know that he was actually speaking to people, counseling people, leading people, commanding people, um, guiding people, leading the prayers, teaching, uh, doing welfare work. He was doing all of this. And yet she says that at every state of his, he was remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That means we need to really re-understand the meaning of dhikr and how it should be done. That's essentially what this is all about. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to remember him abundantly, there's another thing that he says about a certain group of people. Who do he say that about? They don't remember Allah except a bit. Is that us? Right? I mean, the description does fit us, but that's not who Allah is talking about in the Quran. Allah is talking about who? Mudabdabin Abeynad. Neither, they're neither on this side And neither are they on this side They are, they are in limbo between the two These are the munafiqeen of the time Because they couldn't make up a decision To be complete kafir Or a complete believer So they would also remember Allah Or show that they're remembering Allah Because it was part of the Muslim Mu'min thing to do at the time But that's what Allah Allah describes them by saying They only remember Allah They only remember Allah uh, uh, In small amounts They hardly remember Allah That's a description of the munafiqeen And may Allah protect us from being From that fitting onto us Because Allah tells us Remember Allah abundantly now another thing that has to come in mind is Why don't we remember Allah? And this is something that we need to really analyze Because this is really what gets to the crux of the matter And there are a number of verses, again in the Qur'an Verses which uh, really frighten me For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِسْتَحْوَذَ عَلَيْهِمُ Shaitan, فَأَنْسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ Shaitan has become dominant over them, has overwhelmed them and thus he has caused them to forget the remembrance of Allah. Because if we can't remember Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, what is the reason? There's only one. There is only one way that we cannot remember Allah. The reason is that we've come from a pure realm. You know, people talk about kullu مولود يولد الفطرة. أو Um, And and uh, so on as the Prophet said, which is that every child is born on the primordial nature Many people like to translate this as every child is born a Muslim. That's not what the Prophet said That's why then they say that people revert to Islam Right and that to tell the truth. I don't get into this argument revert convert It's all the same really because at the end of the day, you're still a convert you were something I mean You were something else you've converted if you look at the immediate and if you look at maybe the beginning of natural faith, then yes, you're a revert. So there's some people who insist, don't call him a convert, don't call him a revert. It's, it's just istilahat. Right? It's just terminology. It doesn't matter. The main thing is that you've got Islam. Whether you were born with it or you got it afterwards. Generally, the people who get it afterwards tend to be stronger. Because they've, 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 they found they were missing the road. So they went to the right direction. The other guys are just calmly going... It's like somebody who goes, you know, wants to go to Glasgow. Anybody from Glasgow here? Edinburgh. Okay, let's say Edinburgh then. Anybody wants to go to Edinburgh, we're going. Now imagine some guy who wanted to go to Edinburgh, but he got onto the M11 the wrong way, and he started going to London. Suddenly he discovered, hey, I'm going the wrong way after driving for an hour. He's needing in London. Hey, this is London. This is not Edinburgh. right? So then he turns around, and now he's on his way to Edinburgh, he's going to, be, he's going to have a lot more persistence. He's going to be on a mission because he went the wrong way. Now he's turning the right way, he's going to be a lot more diligent about it than the person who knows this way and he's just going, just relaxing, stopping over service stations. Let's admire this one, let's admire that one. Let's see if there's a musalla in this one, you know, and so on. So every child, every newborn is born on the fitr, the primordial nature, because they've come from a situation where a a particular incident took place. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam, as mentioned in the hadith, mentioned in the Quran as well. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested Himself to all of creation. They were all brought up in, in, uh, in the form of ants. It says the size of ants. They were all from the first person to the last person that will ever come into this world. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested Himself and then He said, Alastu bi rabbikum. And they all said, Bala, of course you are. Then people come into this world according to the time that Allah has allotted for them. They come into this world from an embryonic stage, through the embryonic stage. They're born into this world now. This is why Abu Imam Abu Hanifa in his Fiqh al-Akbar, he says, people are created not with acquired faith, because you acquire your faith after you become mature, but you are with natural faith. That's what is this, uh, this fitrah. You've come from a state, a situation where you confirmed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why babies, infants, children will never deny Allah. It's something they'll believe in, generally. Because they've just come from that realm. They're pure, unadulterated. But then we, ch- we adulterate ourselves and we change. So now, istahwada عَلَيْهِمُ shaitan. So that's why shaitan's mission is to stop us. Because there's a hadith in Muslim which mentions that every time a child is born... Any new person comes into this world, a shaytan is stipulated for this person, is designated for this person. And this shaytan then influences this person as he grows up and tries to mislead him. They they asked the Prophet ﷺ, you even had one? Did you have one as a human being? Did you have a shaytan as well? He says, yes, I had one as well, but for aslama or uslama. Which essentially, he said, yes, I had one, but he has succumbed to me or he's become a Muslim. So the Prophet was that ex- exception in that sense. But every human being has that. That's why Allah says in the Quran, I seek refuge in Allah, in the Lord, from the evil of the one who comes and whispers and then he retreats. He retreats when the name of Allah is taken. So the only, it's either you've got Allah or you've got the shaitan. So we have to fill our hearts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now how do you do that? The, the, the reason why this is so important is because another verse that really frightens me is وَمَن qarin, Which means, look at the beautiful way the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned this. You see, Allah uses different names of his in the Qur'an according to the situation. It's not done in a haphazard manner. There's some orientalists who said, you know, inna Allah sami'un alim, inna Allah sami'un basir, wallahu ala kulli These are just flourishes. You know, you put a little flourish here. It says these are just flourishes of the Quran, right? They have no meaning, they have no relevance to the verses. Just felt like doing this one here, doing this one here. And that's totally wrong. If you look in the tafsir like Baydawi, you'll notice where there's a reason for every single one of them why it's chosen for that particular place. Here Allah says, out of all of the names of his that he could have chosen, he says, you Whoever ignores, turns away, abstains from the remembrance, not of Allah, he didn't say Allah, he says, Rahman, from the most merciful one. Essentially trying to direct our minds to the fact that Rahman بِسْمِ اللَّهِ Alhamdulillah rabbil Right? He is the most merciful one that has bestowed us with everything we have in this world. And then we are ignoring his remembrance, despite the fact that he's told us to do so. So whoever does ignore the, uh, the remembrance of the most merciful, نُقَيِّدْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا We will designate a shaitan specially for him. This is not talking about the general shaytan with it, but this is that you will give him power over us. We will stipulate this shaitan. He will become his intimate. Now you can't do anything. Because shaitan is with us all the time. But obviously this has happened because we're not making the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in a hadith qudsi that all of you were misguided except the one I guided. So ask me for guidance and I will guide you. This is a very important statement made by, quoted by the Prophet ﷺ from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because, you know those people among us and people around who've become depressed with their life and they just feel like they can never gain guidance because they just seem to always be doing the wrong thing and they just can't turn around and do the right thing and they're just always going towards evil, their friends are bad, they, 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 they're, they're drinking, they, you know, I, I don't want to mention the evils but you know, they just don't feel any comfort in their heart, and they just feel they're always going wrong, ask Allah for guidance. Because this hadith mentions that. He says, none of you are guided except the ones I guide. Ask me for guidance and I'll guide you. So ask Allah for guidance. Ask Allah for tawfiq. Ask Allah for correctness of, uh, of opinion, of, of action. Then He'll give it to us. But of course, if we're Involved in so many sins, and we, we're going to have to purify our hearts to take us out of that. Now, this is the verse that really frightens me because if we're not doing the dhikr of Allah, does that mean we have a shaitan as our very close, intimate accomplice who's always with us and not going to allow us? That's scary. That is scary. That is why, I mean, let's take a few examples. One of the biggest problems today, in this world, in this new age of the internet, an internet on your phones, what do you think is the biggest problem today that (coughs) people in general are complaining about? That is something related to the internet. Not just Muslims are complaining, families are breaking up, wives are complaining, sometimes husbands are complaining, mostly it's the wives that are complaining. What is the problem? SubhanAllah man, you guys are like awliya or something man. (laughs) There you go. Pornography. That's a massive problem today. The amount of emails that we get, I've got this problem. I mean, oh, SubhanAllah. There's this guy, he wrote me such a long email. And he's telling me, you're not going to be able to help me, but I still have to ask you this. This is my problem. This is my problem. I just can't get away from it. I just can't get away from it. I just can't get away from it. It is such a big problem. You can do what you want. People have done so many, they've stopped for a month, two months, three months, back on track. It is such a big problem. There are people, they know their wives, that know about it, but they can't help it. Right? They, they feel remorseful afterwards, they feel ugly, they feel despicable after they've done it. They feel like suicidal, but they still can't stop. It is such a big fitna of this time. As I would say, it's probably one of the biggest plagues we have at this time because it's so easy. You can sit in a masjid and do it on your phone, as unfortunately people have said they have done. It's just they just need to do it. And the way that people do it now, why am I talking about that with vikr? I'm just trying to give an example of uh, you'll understand what I'm saying. There's one guy, he says that the way I do it is that even though my parents, uh, my father has put Uh, Parental locks on the computer. I know exactly how to switch it off. Do what I need to do Turn them back on wipe everything clean. He won't even know in fact I was shocked when this was brought to my attention Because as soon as you start doing zina Shaytan is going to help you plot best strategists he says and I hope nobody uses this you know later you know uh, some not you guys but you know this being recorded and i hope i don't give bad ideas allah protect us all and protect everybody that listens to this and protect all of us he says he's, he 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 downloads whatever he wants to puts it in a folder and then he deletes it so what you know like okay he's deleted it then what he does is when he needs to he's got the locks on it all he has to do is he's got an undelete program. So then he undeletes that folder. Does what he wants to do and then deletes it again. So, you know, he, he spe- you can't each time go in and do your surfing and collect images and so on. And then after that, wipe everything. It just takes too long. So he does it once. And then after that, every time he needs to do something, he deletes and undeletes. With an undelete program. Some young guy. We're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, a geek I mean, he is a geek, right? How do you get rid of this? That's the question. The only way you can get rid of this is through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is to strengthen Allah. The reason we're here is because it's an addiction. You hate yourself after you're doing it. You're willing to commit suicide. Some people are able, you know, willing to do that, but you still can't get away from it. You can think about whatever you want. The only way you can probably avoid it is somebody's watching you there and there. Even then, you'll go and find a place to go and do it without that. The only way is to strengthen your heart. This is a sign of a diseased heart. The only way you can do this is to do an abundant udhkurullah dhikran kathira, because it's only with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa taala in our hearts that we'll be able to gain the ability to avoid this kind of stuff. That's the only way to do it. To just cut it out completely and remember Allah subhanahu wa taala. That's the only way to fortify ourselves with this. There is no other ilaj or cure for this kind of thing. Now that's just an example I mentioned There are many other things of Maybe of a lighter scale or even a worse scale That we're involved in And we can't get away despite the fact that we would like to We'd, have to, we'd love to have a pristine life That's why uh, the Prophet ﷺ said لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سِقَالَةٌ For everything there's a polish It needs to be polished because it gets worn out It gets corrupted, it gets adulterated Polluted, corrupted لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سِقَالَةٌ for everything is a polish. And the polish of uh, the polish of the hearts is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can declare so openly, Allah bidikrillahi tatma inul kulub. That know that with the remembrance of Allah, do hearts. Find contentment. There is no way else you can find contentment. You might feel really satisfied after watching something that you really like watching, or going to a restaurant and eating a dish that you really wanted to go and eat, or having your favorite chocolate, but you try to then give that same person a third bar of chocolate, and they're going to say, man, I'm sick of it now. That's the, that's the lust, uh, that, that's the desires of the world, that's the pleasures of the world. What they do, the pleasures of the world, they're instant, they give you a high, but then there's a major drop. And then you get tired of them, you have to wait, and then and unless you get something even more intense. That's the way of all of these things. right? Whereas with the remembrance of Allah, and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the benefit of it is initially small, but it's enduring. So it needs to continue and overlap and overlap until the heart becomes clear, and then after that it will perpetuate. So the good thing about doing some dhikr of Allah is that eventually it will become easier to do it because it will become part of our life to do it because our hearts will become alive again. The sign of a dead heart is that we can't avoid sins. The sign of a dead heart is that we feel... We feel totally wrecked when a small thing happens to us. We feel depressed, we, 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 uh, we, we get setbacks, and we, and, and we feel like it's the end of the world. Uh, we constantly become grieved by uh, problems in our family, in our children, in our, with our parents, with our friends, with our university, with our studying, with our marks, with uh, our house, with our computer, with our car. This kind of stuff, it's just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either punishing us Or trying to just wake us up. A wake up call. We just have to be able to decipher that in the correct way. And to get closer to him. And use everything to get closer to him. Once a person is content in the heart. They're relaxed. They're relaxed. That's what Allah says in the Quran. They have no fear and will they never grieve. This doesn't mean they won't have problems. But they'll be able to deal with the problems. That's why the, old, uh, the, the Prophet ﷺ had so many calamities, so many difficulties. But he was able to deal with it. Never did he become depressed. I was once, in an interfa- uh, I was once with a clergy group. When I was in America, uh, we, we had a local clergy group. <coughs> there were some rabbis and uh, 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 lots of uh, Christian pastors, priests, and, and so on, church leaders. So I remember one of them who I knew, he lost his job at the local his place of worship. And the next time I met him there, he was so depressed. I just couldn't believe it. The level of depression he was going through for losing his job. Man, Imams lose their jobs all the time. Right? It's not a big deal. You go and find another job. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you decipher it. That's why the Prophet said, Ajaban li mu'min. You know, such an amazing state of affairs it is for the believer. If a calamity uh, overcomes him and he makes sabr, that is good for him. And if he gets prosperity or something good happens and he does thanks, he is grateful, then that's good for him. Gratefulness and patience. That's our life. That's how we, we see I was like, I was just trying to comfort him. I just couldn't believe the level of depression. I said, you're a leader. You teach people. I didn't say that to him, obviously. Right? But I just couldn't believe it because I've never seen any educated mu'min in the state that I saw him. Subhanallah. So we need to get to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how do you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The, the ulama, see, in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was very simple because in that time, being in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the nur was there all the time. So your hearts were polished. I mean, you, you, you see Sahaba, if they made a mistake, it was very easily corrected It wasn't a big problem you know, Did you ever hear of any hadith in which depression was mentioned, for example? These guys went to battle So many battles all the time Did you see any of them with some trauma when they came back? And subhanallah, you've got more people dying in America American troops than dying in the war every year From depression, from other problems It's ajib, subhanallah this is the power of the remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. This is the power of remembrance. So the ulama mentioned. I mean, this is what I've benefited from, and this is what I'm going to tell you, right? Number one, and I'm not going to tell you too much because it's a prescription, in a sense. That's what the talk is about: how to do the dhikr of Allah. There's many ways of doing the dhikr of Allah, right? But. First and foremost, there are two things. One is, how do we get this state of remembering Allah all the time or abundantly? How do we achieve that? We've already understood that if the Prophet was always remembering Allah, but he was always active in other things, that means he probably didn't sit and do dhikr. That means the dhikr he was doing was part uh, part of the activity. So, let's split dhikr into two sections. One is where you sit and focus on something purely for the sake of Allah, where you cut away from everything else and you focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the dhikr. Right? So that's formal, uh, uh, you know, time set aside for remembrance of Allah. The other one is how do we in, incorporate it in our lives? So, as I mentioned earlier, for everything there's a dua. If we start remembering and memorizing the duas that have been taught to us, before eating, after eating, you know, uh, uh, going out of the house, coming into the house, before we study, etc, etc. Just saying, Bismillah, before you start things. That is how you will ch- we will change our act into, into, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're going to eat anyway. We're going to go and study anyway. You've already moved to Cambridge, you're studying anyway. Right? It's not going to diminish that in any way. Just change your intention. I'm doing this study, get your intention right, as long as your course is correct. Right? And it's, uh, it's not problematic So you get an intention You think of an intention That this is why I'm doing this I want to inshallah be able to help somebody with this Or this is what I'm going to do with it I'm going to earn a living for myself, for my family In a halal way so I don't have to beg I don't have to do scams I don't have to do the wrong things And so on and so forth When you eat, I'm doing this to uh, make myself healthy Just remember the du'as If you can't remember the Arabic du'as At least learn their meanings And at least think of it Because at the end of the day They're all for reminding you of Allah Start eating, Bismillah wa barakatillah. In the name of Allah, I begin in the name of Allah with the, uh, and with the blessing of Allah. I finish, Alhamdulillah, right. all praises to Allah who gave us to eat and to drink and made us believers, made us Muslimin. When you go to sleep, same thing. It's just about trying to remember Allah. Now, you know, when I give you the example of the, when we're driving, for example, I'll give you an example of when we're driving. We could be listening to a lecture and we're driving at the same time. We could be talking to somebody on a hands-free kit and we're still driving. Things kind of become semi-conscious but yet our attention is on the road, we're noticing things, but at the same time we're also in this heated discussion with somebody else. This is what we need to inculcate in our lives. This is called wukuf qalbi. It's called attention of the heart or consciousness of the heart of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all times. Like like you're cooking, and you're thinking of your child outside So your mind is in two places How can we do that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you an example A group of young kids When they heard about this concept They went to a shaykh and said How do we attain this? We can't understand how to do this So they went to the shaykh And the shaykh Instead of answering their question Directly He started telling them jokes So he's giving them joke after joke after joke For about half an hour And they're laughing Holding their sides and they're laughing. Right? Sorry, I don't know too many jokes. Right? But he just, they're laughing. And after half an hour, after they were like totally in tears, he says, Every moment of the time that I was there, I was remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My focus was on Allah. Although I was telling you jokes, but I was always remembering Allah. So I was telling you halal jokes, for example. Because the Prophet used to joke as well. So in anything you do, you just remember. Is, just to think, is this halal? What's the sunnah way of doing this? Which way will Allah be pleased if I do this? For example, cooking. It's such a mundane affairs. Like, come on, slap bang quickly. quickly let's get it over and done with. We've got work to do. No, start with Bismillah. That food will have barakah in it. SubhanAllah. There are, there are salaf that we've had of the past who wouldn't eat food if, you know, Subhanallah, if Bismillah wasn't taken on that food. There were women in our history... Right? And I say women because generally women cook. Right? Generally, I'm not stereotyping, it's just generally what happens. Right? You have to be politically correct in Cambridge. So um, they would read Yaseen when they could, when they were cooking. Can you imagine the baraka in that food? When you read Yasin over it while you're cooking? That's where you're doing a mundane task, but it's becoming spiritually fulfilling. Everybody who eats that. They're going to benefit from that. You know what, it's, you know, you know what it is? Men, they, have, they should go to the masjid to pray. They go to the masjid, take some of the mercy of Allah, the nur of Allah, they bring it home. That's the barakah you get of making your salat in a masjid. How do the women do that? You do that through the food. Right? You read some dhikr, you do dhikr while you're cooking the food. Believe me, man, you won't have to worry about your children anymore. They are nourished on food that is cooked in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just imagine that. You don't have to worry about your kids. If your kids are growing up, their, their body is being nourished by the remembrance of Allah, subhanAllah, that is amazing. Simple thing. Why don't we think about it? Why don't we do it? It's as simple as that. That's how we turn our life into always memory Allah. Udhkurullah, الله on Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. That's, so that's the general one. Now let's talk about a focused dhikr. How do you do focused dhikr? There's many ways of doing that, right? So we'll, we'll talk about three different ways. Firstly, consider this a daily regimen, a prescription, but it's only as good as you, you take it, dispense it, and, and take it, right? We could give lots of prescriptions and you could, you know, you could compile them in your house from your doctor and you still got a problem, you keep going back to your doctor, man, did you get, go to the chemist? Did you go to the pharmacy? So at the end of the day, these are just very simple. And because we're very busy people, these are, these are simple acts. So aside from this general consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's read some Qur'an a day. The Qur'an is absolutely, it's, uh, it, it mentions from one of the great ulama of the past. He said that, I used to be you know studying hadith and so on. And I used to feel that there's a very sh- uh, shortness of time. I don't get enough time in it. There's no barakah in the day. I mean, I'm sure we all feel, feel that, right? The day just goes. So somebody told me I should read Quran. So I used to read a bit, but I started increasing. The more I, the more I read, the more time I got, the more work I got done. Amazing. So he says, I carried on. I went up to 10 Jews a day. And I got that much more benefit in the barakah in my time. That's how much more I got accomplished. At the end of the day, when I moved to America, I felt, uh, after I finished studying and then I moved to America, and I just felt like the day was just whizzing past. So I called one of my sheikhs, and, and he said, spend some time doing the dhikr of Allah. Because time is in the hands of Allah. Time is in the power of Allah. You give him some time, he'll open up your time. That's why people like Imam Shafi died when they were about 40-something and they are still remembered by us. Imam Ghazali died at 55. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he was around 40 or 50 as well. And he's the Mujaddid of the first century. Short lives and great accomplishments because the time had been opened up for them by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of their remembrance. And that can happen to us as well. Believe me, you try what I say just for three weeks and then I'll say, I guarantee you, be, you'll, be, you'll be content. You'll be on the path. So as I said, try to concentrate on Allah all the time, read some Quran. How much Quran should you read? All I'll tell you to do is every day, pick up a Quran, a Mushaf, pick it up. Don't just kind of when you're going somewhere, oh I know Yaseen by heart, or I know Wallaidi uh, Yaksha by heart, so I'm just gonna read that. No, it's not about that. it's open it. And then after that, read half a page if you have to. Read one ayah if you have to, but open it and do it. That is a big problem in our lives, that the Qur'an in Ramadan, and then it goes. So take down a Qur'an, right? whether it be on your phone or somewhere else, but open it and read it, even if you're a hafiz of the Qur'an. Yes, if you're a hafiz and you can read, mashallah, then that's fine. But otherwise, open it and read. There was one person, uh, there was one woman, the shaykh uh, said to her, you must read some Qur'an every day. He was giving a similar kind of, she said, I can't read, I've got no time. He says, Okay, just read one verse. She goes, No, she said, he said to her, How much can you read? He said, I can read one verse. She was just trying to get out of it. I can read one verse. He says, No problem, just read one verse. Pull down a Qur'an, read one verse. Today she laughs. That subhanallah, she's way beyond that. But that's what I would say. At least read two verses of the Quran. Right? May Allah give us a the tawfiq because the nur from there is amazing. Right? It's the words of our Lord. And they can't be devoid of barakah and blessing. Whether you understand it or not. If you can understand it, you'll increase it many-fold. That will be quantum. That will be a a compound. That will be much more. Right. So, some Quran a day. Number two, istighfar. A hundred times a day. That's all. Astaghfirullah Rabbi min kulli dhambi wa atuhu ilayhi. Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yastaghfiru sabi'ina marra fi kulli yawm. It's hadith, the Prophet It says he used to do istighfar, remember, uh, seek forgiveness, seventy times or a hundred times a day. So we're just saying, take a tasbih, just for the remembrance. Take an you know, if you don't like the, the bead ones, right? Take the digital one. Count how you like. I don't know, are there any apps, tasbih apps on the phone? Might be a good idea. Anybody, app developers? Tasbih apps. Good idea. Let's see one. Anyway, so. It's just to count Right Because you know, when you're counting on your fingers You, you have to concentrate you, you start thinking of something else Your hand goes down And then you, you forget But if you've got a tasbih in your hand Then even if you do drift away you can't, Oh I was Let me carry on That's the benefit of it So a hundred istighfar day. Astaghfirullah rabbī min kulli dhambī wa atubu ilayh I seek forgiveness From my Lord Allah my Lord From all sins And I return to Him 100 times that's it it takes about 2 3 minutes but try to do it some concentration if you're driving if you're commuting set a time in the day number 2 number 3 salawat on the prophet we owe everything to our messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam rasul akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam so do salawat a him 100 times in the morning 100 times in the evening allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa barik wasallam 100 times in the morning 100 times in the evening It's stick far just 100 times once a day but the salawat Twice a day won't take that long Quran, half a page, how long is it going to take you? Right, maybe 2-3 minutes Istighfar is going to take you about 3-4 minutes Salawat take you maybe 5 minutes We're talking about 10 minutes, 12 minutes there And then now The concentrated dhikr All of this will give you a reward Problem is that our hearts aren't strong enough To get the concentration In our tasbih And in our Quran reading and in our salawats. So we'll be reading them, but our minds will be somewhere else. How do we develop concentration? How do we strengthen our heart? Right? If you could concentrate when you're doing tasbih, that should be enough. But that's very difficult for the majority of people to do here today. How do you do that? That is why there's a very powerful thing which we'll mention now, and we can even try that then, is to do muraqabah. Muraqabah. Inna allaha raqibun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in constant watch Muraqaba in Arabic comes from the word Mufa'ala Which is to do something mutually So we realize that Allah is watching us And we are now remembering Him Many ways to do muraqaba Meditation You can do muraqaba of your death You can do muraqaba of the bounties Allah has given us You can do muraqaba of the sins we've done How disobedient we are How You know, uh, we can do lots of types of muraqaba. I'll give you one muraqaba which is very powerful, right? Which is, you sit down and you look down and be in a place where nobody's going to distract you. All you need is about five minutes to begin this. All you need is about five minutes to begin this. So you just literally sit down, look down, and then you um, close your eyes, Empty your mind of everything Doesn't matter what you've got going on Just empty your mind of everything And just imagine That the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That is constantly available You've tapped into it And the mercy is now descending on your heart Right? The rahmah of Allah Is descending onto your heart Where's the heart? The heart is beneath the chest on the left hand side The spiritual heart is there as well That's what the ulama mentioned Right? Because that's where our physical heart is so we're focused on the mercy of Allah coming down on our hearts. So you can imagine it as a light, however you want to imagine it. At the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, أنا عند ظن uh, عبدي bi Hadith Al-Qudsi sahih That I am with my servant as he thinks of me. Now the mercy of Allah is always there. We just need to tap, tap into it. The Wi-Fi is there, just get the password and get on and, and you're connected. Right? Some uh, I was in a hotel in Makkah just now, and uh, there was Wi-Fi, but I couldn't get on because there were too many people that were already on there. You'd have to keep trying until somebody got off, and then you know that's not with the mercy of Allah. Everybody has lots of mercy of Allah, so you're never going to be kind of, you know, there's there's never going to be bandwidth problems. It's as much as you want to take. You can pull as much as you want, soak it up, right? So we just imagine that the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is entering our heart. And then the heart just begins to call out to Allah, 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 Allah. This is not a dhikr of the tongue uh, where you're just saying Allah, Allah. This is your heart saying Allah, it's just going back to its creator. So you're not going to do it with your tongue. The dhikr of the heart is more powerful. Because the reason you do dhikr of your tongue with your tongue is to benefit the heart. To strengthen the heart because it's the heart that... Benefits from the dhikr. So this is direct dhikr of the heart. You'll gain contentment. Just try that for five minutes. So essentially you're just bowing your head and that's what you're doing. That's all. We'll, we'll try it a bit later. Right. So that was, we, we talked about keeping conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of our mundane affairs, reading some Quran a day, hundred istighfar, hundred salawat, durut sharif, salawat and Prophet morning and evening. Number five was um, the muraqabah, the meditation. And number six, if you can find somebody to help you, right? Somebody accomplished to help you out, to guide you in this regard, right? Somebody who's accomplished themselves. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who unfortunately say they're guides and they're in there for the money or influence or whatever it is, you have to be really careful. If you can find an accomplished individual to do that, right? That's, that's where you get that benefit from. But the, the, the muraqabah part of it is. When you do muraqabah, you will feel the benefits of it immediately. Because your heart, it's the most powerful aspect of it doing, doing this. You know, you're like, it's an intravenous directly into it. Tasbih is good and it's powerful. But when your heart is in it, then that is the most amazing feeling. You'll feel a warmth in the heart, right? You'll feel satisfied. You'll feel like you're getting somewhere for once. Your heart will feel alive. It will become that living or loving heart. Right? It literally become like that. And you constantly do, um, uh, you constantly make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gives us his closeness. Because that, then, then the, you become successful in this world, you're still close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, ulama have mentioned, I don't have the time today, but ulama have mentioned different dhikrs, different forms of meditation that they found to be beneficial for different diseases. Amazing. This particular one that I'm mentioning, the, the ulama mention, is that this is very good to curb your desire. Desire for eating a lot, for chocolates, and desire for all the other haram things. So, you know, haram desires. So you might then think a question might arise that if it kills my desire, I won't be able to fulfill my halal desires then. Right? It's a question, isn't it? If your desires kill, then what about husband and wife? What about just desire to eat food, man? Just to have a basic plate of food. Now, these are smart. this is smart dhikr. This is not pathetic. This is smart dhikr. Which means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it such. That's why one of the shaykhs, he said, that those who gain real love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they, you, you think that if you, become, if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anybody else, then how do you fulfill love towards your parents, towards your children, towards your wife, towards your husband, right, towards a spouse? What the ulama mentioned, those people who've reached that stage, is that when you've tasted real love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because with Allah you can only have real love, there is no artificial love in you, you can't display love in and not have love for him. If you've got love for Allah and you've got it, it's real love. You will become a better lover in this world, in the halal ways. You will become a better lover for your spouse... To your spouse, towards your spouse, and to your children, and to your parents, and to others. Because you know what real love is all about. I know this is kind of getting into the deep end here, but these are just some secrets that people have revealed to us. Not my secrets, these are secrets of the people who've got that love, right? who reckon they have that love. So, there, there are certain dhikrs that if, if a person is very arrogant, then they focus their concentration, their muraqaba, they it will tone them down. And believe me, I've seen this. Because I've seen certain individuals and they're very accomplished but I don't see any pride, they're calm, they're not wild, right? They're humble, I used to wonder, then I noticed that they do dhikr, and that dhikr has a benefit for them There are certain dhikr that will curb you of your jealousy, if you've got a jealousy problem You can't see people having better things than you, right? Uh, There there are dhikrs that will uh, get rid of uh, um, uh, arrogance, there are dhikrs that will get rid of love for the world. So, your focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will become easier. But you have to start somewhere. And this is where we start. Right? So you'll feel this accomplishment. And that's the benefit of it. And if you think you've got no time for it. This is what I see sometimes. I feel like, I want to do dhikr I want to do it. But then, I think, man, 20 minutes. That's a lot of time to give. But, have you ever been online? And you checked a YouTube video out? And then you just checked another one out, and then another one, and then another one, and then by the time, that's one hour. It goes so fast. I'm talking about conscious people who want to use every minute of their time wisely. We still waste a lot of time doing these mundane things. So then I started telling myself... Let's just imagine this is like that. I'm going to waste time somewhere or the other in the daytime doing something like that. Because not every day is so efficient where I don't waste a minute. It's difficult for human beings to do that. Although we'd like to do that. Especially those of us who are like really workaholics. right? But then, so I'm thinking to myself, this should be part of my day. I know it's going to be tough, but I have to sit there for 20 minutes. Or half an hour, or one hour and do this muraqabah. Yes, I'm going to think of the whole world in it. But I have to sit and do it and keep coming back to it. So when you do do this muraqabah, what you'll notice is that for one or two minutes, you'll have concentration because you're fresh. Then after that, the shaitan will attack. Every vessel is going to leak things that are in it. So you're going to start thinking of all of these things. But that's fine. Come back. Sit for five minutes. Shaitan hates it because you're dedicating yourself for Allah. So yeah, he's going to try to... the, The worst thing you could do is get up and say, I'm not doing it because I don't feel the concentration. You don't leave your salat because you don't have concentration, do you? So similar kind of thing. Eventually when you do this for 3-4 weeks, you'll notice that 5 minutes will become a joke for you. You'd like, you'll just get into it. You'll want to do more. It is so powerful. Meditation is really powerful. Let's try it for a few minutes uh, before we finish. Just so that you can understand. Now what we're going to do is, you just look down, close your eyes, and you just imagine the Rahmah and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coming into your heart. Right? And when a person looks into their heart with total isolation and opens up the windows of their hearts to themselves then their true form becomes apparent to them just imagine the mercy of Allah is coming into your hearts and then your heart begins to say Allah, Allah, Allah don't say it with your tongue your heart will say it but you have to project it onto your heart until it it, it will eventually say it itself أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد خلقنا الإنسان ونعلم ما توسوس به نفسه ونحن أقرب إليه من حبل الوريد إذ يتلقى المتلقيان عن اليمين وعن الشمال قعيد ما يَلْفِظُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ وَجَاءَتْ سَكْرَةُ الْمَوْتِ بِالْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ مَا كُنتَ مِنْهُ تَحِيدٌ وَنُفِخَ فِي السُّورِ ذَلِكَ يَوْمُ الْوَعِيدٌ وَجَاءَتْ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَعَهَا سَائِقُهُ وَشَهِيدٌ لَقَدْ كُنْتَ فِي غَفْلَةٍ مِنْ هَذَا فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاءَكَ فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ حَدِيدٌ وَقَالَ قَرِينُهُ هَذَا مَا لَدَيَّ عَتِيدٌ الْقِيَا فِي جَهَنَّمَ كُلَّ كَفَّارٍ عَنِيدٍ مَنْ نَاءَ الْخَيْرِ مُعْتَدٍ مُرِيبُ الذي جعل مع الله إلهاً آخر فألقياه في العذاب الشديد قال قرينه ربنا ما أدغيته ولكن كان في ضلال بعيد قال لا تختصموا لدي وقد قدمت إليكم بالوعيد ما يبدل القول لدي وما أنا بظلام للعبيد يوم نقول لجهنم هل امتلأت وتقول هل من مزيد وأزلفت الجنة للمتقين غير بعيد هذا ما توعدون لكل أواب حفيظ Man Hoshi or Rahman, a bill ray be waja a munib Uduhulu her be salam the lika yo mulhuluud lahumayasha una fiha waladaina mazid la ila ila Mohammed Rasulullah. I don't know if you were able to get any concentration. But <clears throat> if you do this more secluded, alone You'll, you'll, see, the, you'll see the benefit of it It's, it's just about just being with ourselves Which we just so much miss today Because we're just always distracted We don't have time for our own selves Except our external selves And that's the problem So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the connection with his Quran And with, uh, open up the remembrance Open up his remembrance for us um, the verses I read just in case uh, you know it's from Path. well, Qur'an al Majid, they're very um, they very powerful verses if you want to go on uh, check them up and read the translation afterwards essentially Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying and indeed we have created man and we know what he oh, we, what his own self whispers to him we are nearer to him than his jugular vein remember that the two receivers the recording angels receive each human being one sitting on the right and one on the left "...to note his or her actions. Not a word does he or she utter, but there is a watcher by him ready to record it. And the stupor of death will come in truth. This is what you have been avoiding, and the trumpet will be blown. That will be the day whereof warning had been given, and every person will come forth, along with an angel to drive him and an angel to bear witness. It will be said to the (coughs) sinners, Indeed, you were heedless of this. Now we have removed from you your covering." And sharp is your sight this day. And his companion angel will say, here is his record, ready with me. Allah will say to the angels, both of you throw into hell every stubborn disbeliever, hinderer of good, transgressor, doubter, who set up another ilah, a god with Allah. Then both of you cast him in the severe torment. His companion, (coughs) Satan, the devil, will say, our Lord, I did not push him to transgression, but he was himself in error, astray. Shaitan will say, I didn't do anything. I didn't do it. I didn't force him. Allah will say, "Dispute not in front of Me today." I had already in advance sent you to the sent you the threat. The sentence that comes from Me cannot be changed now, and I am not unjust to the slaves. On the day when we will say to Hellfire, "Are you filled?" it will say, "Are there any more?" and Paradise will then be brought near to the muttaqun. It will be said, "This is what you were promised. It is for those off returning to Allah, who have time for Allah, who go back to Allah." In sincere repentance and those who preserve their covenant with Allah by obeying him in all what he has ordered and worshipping none but Allah alone. Who feared the most gracious in the unseen, in the ghayb, and came with a heart turned in repentance. That's the heart we want. And may Allah give us it. Absolutely free from each and every kind of polytheism. Enter you therein in peace and security. (inaudible) Udkuluha bisalaam. This is the day of eternal peace. There they will have all that they desire. And we have more for them than that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that heart. And may Allah allow us to pr- uh, to preserve our heart. Let's make a quick dua and then you can have questions inshaAllah. Allahumma anta as-salam wa minka as-salam. Tabarakti adil jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bir rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hananu ya mannan. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimeen. Oh Allah, we've gathered here purely to understand your remembrance That was the topic of the day and that's exactly what we're here for Oh Allah, don't let any of us turn away from here Without having your dhikr, without having your dhikr run in our hearts Without every part of our body running with, the dhikr of, with, with your dhikr Oh Allah, this is what we came to learn about And oh Allah, open up Your love for us and grant us your love and the love of those who love you. O Allah, grant us the love that your messengers had for you. O Allah, grant us the love that the Sahaba had for you. O Allah, grant us the love so that we can gain conviction in our faith and which will help us to to do obedience and to refrain from disobedience. O Allah, make all obedient acts beloved to our hearts. O Allah, make all disobedient acts despicable to our hearts so that it's easy for us to refrain from them. O oh Allah, you yourself have said in the Quran, that you are poor, you are needy. And you've also said that, that verily, sadaqat and charity is for the poor. O oh Allah, here we are asking for your charity. Charity in the form of remembrance, charity in the form of the things that we don't have. O oh Allah, you've given us many things of this world, but when it comes to your love and obedience to you, O oh Allah, we falter. Oh Allah, we've committed many sins in our lives. Oh Allah, we are submerged in sin. Oh Allah, we're putting our hands out to you as sinners. But oh Allah, we want you to treat us like your awliya. Oh Allah, you're so powerful that you can turn a sinner into a wali. And into your close, your close associate in a moment. Oh Allah, for you that's not difficult. Oh Allah, for us it's a lifelong effort. And sometimes we don't even succeed because we become misled and way led by other things around us. Oh Allah, make our con- our surroundings conducive for our worship of you and our obedience to you and our connection with you. Oh Allah, all the obstacles we have in our life, wh- whatever form that may take, that blocks us and prevents us from you, oh Allah, remove them. Oh Allah, remove them. Oh Allah, this is what we've come here to study and to learn. Oh Allah, don't take us back empty-handed. Oh Allah, when people go to a poor poor man's when a poor man goes to a rich man's place and he stands there and he asks and he asks, eventually he's turned away with something. Oh Allah, we want you to turn us away with something. Oh Allah, we can only expect the best from you because you are the greatest of givers and the most generous. Oh Allah, oh Allah, give us a bounty that's worthy of your awliya even though we're the greatest sinners in the world. Oh Allah, despite the fact that we're, our hearts are dark and filled with all of these years of sins and we don't repent to you and we don't turn to you, O oh Allah, treat us like that. And O oh Allah, grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. And O oh Allah, make the best of our de- days the day, that, the day that we stand in front of you. That we're happy to see you and you are happy to see us. O oh Allah, don't turn away from us on that day. Don't turn your messenger away from us that, on that day. Oh Allah, allow us to fulfill the sunnah of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he gives us to drink from his, from his watering pool and, and doesn't turn away from us. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we can only ask you because there's nobody else we can ask. At the end of the day, even the worst of us, when we do pray, we pray in front of you and we bow our heads in, in front of you. Not to anybody else. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, look at that part of it. And oh Allah, give some value to that, even though it may be totally done without any ikhlas or sincerity. It may be just done as a ritual, but still we do it for you, oh Allah. Even when... When, when children, when they make up a crying face in front of their mom, their mother will go and their heart will men- melt and they will give them. Oh Allah, we're doing this in front of you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, you are more merciful than all the mercy that there is in this world. Oh Allah, we can only expect a great amount of your mercy. Oh Allah, don't turn us away empty-handed. Don't turn us any of us away with any <coughs> sins lingering. Oh Allah, allow us to lead a changed life after this and to remember you.